for Your Good Ministries International, a ministry going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. This series is teaching on the law of first reference, that is, how we begin or upon what do we establish all things in our lives, and the law of first institution, that is, to what do we first work all things out in our lives. And now, here's Abraham. Well, a good day again to all of our listeners. I trust you have enjoyed the series that we refer to as the Law of First Reference, which in essence is to go to the Word of God firstly in any decision-making process of our lives, in any context that we're about to enter in our lives. And so wisdom's counsel is to go to the Word of God to find out how to do something that we're about to do, or how to make a wise decision by going to the Word and learning from the Word what wisdom is in regard to any decision that we make. So last week we were speaking about Jesus. We were sharing a parable that we call the parable of the sower. And some refer to it as I'm more inclined to do so myself would do as the parable of the condition of one's heart. And so... Reading that parable again, just to recap on where we ended off last week, for those who may not have been uh, available to hear what was taught last week. In Mark chapter 4 we read, it says, And again Jesus began to teach by the sea. We described it as the Sea of Galilee that teens with life. So Jesus is representing or presenting a picture that will correlate or tie up to the parable that he's about to teach. So he gave them a visual picture, because the Sea of Galilee represents that that teems with vibrant, abundant life. So in essence, Jesus was saying at the get-go, that the Word of God will release the product that you're seeing with your, with your natural eye. It says, And a great multitude was gathered to him. They came to hear of him, as to how to enjoy the picture set before them of teeming, abundant, prosperous, successful life. It says, and so Jesus got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. In other words, they were looking at this picture of Jesus who represents the word, who seated in the boat over that that teems with abundant life, the product of what the word of God brings about. And so it says, and he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. They were looking at this product again of abundant teeming life. And Jesus seated on top of it in a, in a disposition of peace. For the product beneath him represents great success. It says, then Jesus, so now having set the scene to the natural eye, and from him wanted to draw a spiritual truth, it says, and then, or you must say, only then, once this scene was set that represented the picture of the Word of God realized, it says, then he taught them in many things by parables. And he said to them in his teaching. So he said, listen. In other words, give me 100% attention. 
Listen with an exclamation mark. Then he says, Behold, a sower went out to do what? To sow. It says, And it happened as he sowed that some of the seed that he sowed fell by the wayside. That's that that is the side of a pathway. It says, And the birds of the air came and devoured it. So this good seed that had the potential to reproduce the picture set before them, the sea of Galilee that teems with abundant life, that seed that could produce that product, if you like, the birds of the air came and devoured that seed. In other words, the product of that teeming life wasn't going to be realized because of the condition of the wayside. And then Jesus said, some fell on stony ground. Some of this good seed that could produce what was set before them, some fell on stony or hard or rocky ground, where it did not have much earth. Therein lies a key. So the rocky outcrop was visible to the eyes, and there was a thin deposit of earth surrounding it. It says, and immediately that seed sprung up, because it had no depth of the earth. Last week we spoke about when you sow a seed on rocky ground where there's not much earth, it springs up very quickly, it germinates. But what happens? It sprung up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, you get no root in shallow earth. Because it had no root, it withered away and it died. Then Jesus says, a third kind of soil, says, And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. So this seed began to grow, but before it got to the place of producing a crop, the thorny uh, plants around it choked it out, and it produced no crop. And then Jesus says, but other seed fell on good or fertile ground and it yielded a crop. The seed created a crop as it sprang up. It says it increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And then in verse 9 of Mark chapter 4, it says, and he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear this that I've now taught you, the parable of the sower. Now, of course, the disciples and those who were looking on who followed Jesus Christ, who heard this teaching, they didn't quite get it. They didn't quite understand it. They saw the natural picture. They saw the heart's desire of a result that represented the status of the Sea of Galilee, that team with life. But they didn't quite get it. They didn't quite understand it. And so appropriately so, rightly so, they inquired of Jesus. So it says, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. They wanted to get an understanding. Again, they wanted the right product in their lives. No doubt for many and were most close to all, they weren't living in this product that teems with abundant life. And so they wanted to search deeper. They wanted to get an understanding. How do we get to this resultant outcome, this product? So those who inquired of Jesus, wanting to know more, 
It says as follows, And Jesus said to them, those who inquired of him, Do you not understand this parable? So Jesus asked that with a purpose in mind. Because he was about to say something that was huge as regards this parable. So he says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Question mark. It's almost like it's an exclamation kind of question mark. Again, drawing their attention. He says, how then will you understand any or all of the other parables? In other words, this is key. Without understanding this parable, the rest of the other parables that Jesus would teach, they would not be able to understand. So herein lies, may I say, Jesus' key parable, the parable of the sower and or the parable that represents the conditions of man's heart. So again, I want to emphasize Jesus' response to their inquiry. He says, if you do not understand this parable, in other words, get to understand this. In fact, don't even move on to the other parables until you understand this parable. It's so key. It's so vital. It's so imperative and important. If you miss this, you're going to miss all the other promises I have depicted in the parables that I'll teach you from. You've got to get a hold of the truth of this parable. Because from this, the others will spring to life. Without this, the others can be left dormant or latent and not produced after the intended result that I have in mind for those parables or that that I teach. So he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any of or all of the other parables that I'm teaching? Now Jesus goes on to explain or to interpret or to bring understanding, because understanding is key, to bring understanding to the principles or the point of the teaching of this parable. So Jesus says this, he says, the sower sows the word. And when Jesus talks about the word, he's talking about scripture as it represents the person of Jesus Christ. Because all scripture ultimately must point to the person of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the word made flesh, the word manifest. Jesus represents the will and the person of the Father. To see Jesus in the word is to see the Father as Jesus walked when he was on the earth. If you are or are ever struggling about the will of God, the will of God is personified and represented in the person of Jesus. How Jesus conducted himself. How Jesus lived his life on earth. The things that Jesus practiced. Be that healing. Be that casting out of demons. etc. The things he taught. All of those represent the very nature, will and purpose of God. To find out, may I say, quote unquote, what God looks like. Or how God functions. Or what represents God's heart is to follow the practice of the lifestyle of Jesus Christ when he walked the earth. That helps us to settle any doctrinal nuances that sometimes can cause us to deviate from the truth of who God really is. In my view, God is repeatedly misrepresented by so many. God is conveyed as a harsh, punishing, punitive God. Jesus was never harsh, punishing, or punitive. Some people believe that God gives sickness. Jesus never, ever gave one sickness to a single person when he walked the planet. God is a good God. The Bible says it's the goodness of God 
that leads man or takes man to repentance. Repentance means a changed mindset. You could say a changed mindset in this case of who God is. God is good. God is not harsh. God is not punitive. So he says the sower sows the word. In other words, the Bible or scripture. But as it represents Jesus, that's very key to understand. So this sower or this farmer, the picture is he's going out and he's sowing the word. So you may be sitting under the counsel or the teaching of a pastor, an evangelist, etc. What they should be doing if they were inclined, and therein lies a no, therein lies a whole new teaching, because the Bible says there'll be many antichrists and false prophets. So you must be listening to someone who sows, who teaches the word of God, as it represents the person of the word, the word of Jesus Christ. So it says, the sower sows the word for Your Good Ministries International. A ministry whose vision it is to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. For Your Good both hosts its own conferences and is also invited into other contexts to train and to teach. To train pastors and leaders and others in the fivefold ministry. Training to church governance with resultant unity. Mediate into and bring about conflict resolution. Training to marriage, family and parenting. Training to the business sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity commands a blessing. Trains too into the educational sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity commands a blessing. For Your Good also establishes Bible colleges. For Your Good Ministries ministers on Christian radio, on online platforms and on various social media platforms. Partner with us for For Your Good Ministries as a heart for all, is going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. And email us for more information on our ministry services or to train into your context. Reach out to us on inquiries at foryourgood.net. And then verse 15 says as follows. It says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. So here we have the word filled with vibrancy of life, as is the picture of the Sea of Galilee. But this word or the seed is sown on the wayside. And it says, and when these people, those who represent this kind of heart, on the wayside, a well-trodden path, or a path that is bereft of, of fertility. It says, and these, the ones by the wayside, where the word is sown, when they hear, it says, Satan comes immediately, and he takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So yeah, Jesus is depicting or describing the condition of one's heart. 
So if my heart is a wayside heart, it can also be described as a by the way. On the odd occasion, I lend an ear to the word of God. Maybe once a year at Christmas, perhaps a second time over Easter, and maybe the odd wedding and or funeral, I may hear the word here and there. That is an unreceptive heart. And so that good seed or that good word that when it is sown, because it's a wayside heart representative, it says immediately the enemy comes and he steals or he takes away the word that was sown. The emphasis here, as Jesus is now describing the sower saying the word, is the conditions of our hearts. So depending on our heart's condition determines whether we're going to get the full product of God's intention represented in that word. So again, when they, those that have a wayside type heart, when they hear, Satan comes immediately. They can be sitting in the church context. Immediately that they hear that word, they're not inclined to receiving that word. They only hear or receive the word from time to time. They also are not open to receive the word. And so immediately at that instant, as the word is sown, immediately Satan comes and he steals or takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Then Jesus says, they're now describing a second kind of heart. The same seed, but a second kind of heart that is to receive the word of God. It says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony or hard or rocky ground. It says, when they hear the word, immediately they do receive it with gladness. So they celebrate receiving a word that can bring about a change in the product of their lives. So it says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. However, it says, and they have no root in themselves. So they receive it with gladness, but they don't allow it to develop a root within their hearts. It says, and so they endure only for a time. What Jesus is describing is when you receive the word of God, it's going to produce after its kind. One needs to endure because opposition is going to come in our minds. The enemy is going to come to want to steal that word. So they receive that word with great joy, but they only endure for a short time. For it says as follows, after it, when tribulation or persecution comes. So when we receive the word, often it's met with tribulation or persecution. This portion of scripture describes why. What's the enemy's motive or intention by bringing tribulation and persecution to us? It says, afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises or comes for the word's sake. The enemy, in essence, is after only one thing. If he gets the one thing, you'll get the consequence of him stealing the one thing. So if he gets the one thing, he has the potential to get all things. The enemy is after only one thing. It's the word of God. Because the word of God is living, it's active, it's powerful, it reproduces after its card. It always brings about a guaranteed result. So when that seed is initially sown, that's when the enemy wants to, cry, wants to try and steal it. So he brings tribulation and he brings persecution. Why? What's he trying to do? He's trying to cause us 
to step back, to give him access to the word of God, to steal it so that it doesn't reproduce after its kind. So again, it says afterward, when tribulation or persecution arise or come for the word's sake, immediately those who have this kind of heart, it says they stumble and the word is lost. So good to bear in mind, why does persecution or tribulation come? Why does the enemy come against us? He's coming against the word to steal the word. The Bible says in John 10, chapter 10, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There's the outworking. If he can steal, the seed is then that that dies. He comes to kill. And if the word is dead, what does he do? He has access to steal our marriage, our family, our finances, whatever it is that represents our lives. So after women, tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately the people who have this kind of heart, they stumble. And you see the picture when you stumble, you fall, you lose what's in your hand. The enemy steals the word. Now Jesus describes the third condition of the heart or the third soil of the heart. And he says this in verse 18 of Mark chapter 4. He says, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. So he has good seed that's sown into a soil substrate, but is sown amongst thorns in and around it. So he says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but this is what the thorns represent. But the cares of this world or this life, the troubles of this world, the situations that represent the status of the planet, the great deceptions that go down, the negative information that's piped in through the news, etc. They cause cares or worries or anxieties. So yeah, you have the seed that's planted that seeks to reproduce, but the thorns represent cares and troubles and worries and anxieties. What do they do? It says, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It says, and the desires for other things enter in and they choke out the word. So what chokes out the word? The cares or the troubles of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. Riches are good to have, but riches are not good when they have you. So if I'm deceived by riches, I allow riches to take control of me, instead of me taking control of riches. And I think riches is the answer to all of my challenges in life, that's a deception. Because the most depressed people by and large on this planet are the so-called rich. They've been deceived thinking that riches will bring about peace and sustainable success in their lives. So, and, the, and the desires for other things. What are the other things? Things aside of the Word of God. And the desire of other things enter in and they choke out the Word. The other word is beginning to grow. There's a desire for it to grow. But these things that are happening in and around the person's heart or their life come in and they choke out the word. It says, and it becomes unfruitful. So that had begun to grow, but never got to the point of being fruitful because there was an allowance for these things to enter into the heart and choke out the word of God and render it unfruitful. And then in verse 20, it says as follows. So now Jesus starts out verse 20 by saying this. He says, but, in other words, again, he's drawing attention. 
Urine lies your solution, yes, your answer for a reproduction of the seed sown that will bring about the picture of the Sea of Galilee set before you as you're looking on. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Now Jesus describes good ground. Some translations say on fertile soil, receptive soil. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground that when they hear the word, so these have a fertile heart. They're open to the word of God. They're not going to allow the cares and the troubles of this world. They're not uh, uh, representing a heart that is on the wayside where the enemy can steal. It's a fertile heart. It wants the word. It desires the word. It knows the word will reproduce. It's fertile and saying, give me the word of God. I want to bury it deep and I want to water it and nurture it so that it reproduces after its kind. But yeah, Jesus says again, but these are the ones sown on good or fertile ground or soil. He says, those who hear the word. So now because they have a fertile heart, they hear it. But let's look what happens as a result of hearing when one's heart is fertile to receive the word of God. Friends, to have a fertile heart that wants the word of God, that cherishes the word of God, that nourishes the word of God, that protects the word of God, is a fertile heart that will reproduce the sea's intention represented by the picture of the Sea of Galilee that teems with abundant life. So it says, those who hear the word, they accept it, or they receive it with the depthiness of it being planted in their hearts. It says, they accept or receive it, they take a hold of it, and they plant it deep within their heart, and they protect that seed. Because they know the power of the word of God. So they accept it. And what happens to them? They, the ones with a fertile heart, they bear fruit. Does that not answer many questions as we journey our lives? Sometimes in certain areas of our life, we have a hard heart, a stony heart, a wayside heart. A heart that's choked out by the cares and the troubles of this world, the, the deceitfulness of riches and other things that draw us away from the word of God. But when our heart's fertile and we're receptive of it, look what happens. It says, they accept it and bear fruit. But just the key, some bear fruit 60-fold, pardon me, 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. But what determines the 30, the 60, or the 100-fold? The receptivity of my fertile heart. How fertile my heart is. If I have a heart that's pretty fertile, I'm going to get a 30-fold return of the seed sown. It's going to reproduce to that level. If I have a next level of fertility of heart, I'm going to get a 60-fold return. If my heart is absolutely fertile, that none of the other conditions of the heart described by Jesus, condition 1, 2, or 3, if my heart's absolutely fertile and receptive, that I accept the Word of God and plant it deep, and nothing is distracting from the Word of God, I own that and I possess that word of God. It's my given 100% attention to God and hold on to that word. I can reproduce that word through my heart, the fertility of the soul of my heart, up to a 100-fold return. So as we close out the parable of the sower, let us keep in mind the power of the word of God. The law first reference when we go to the word of God with a fertile heart, to receive it, it's going to reproduce at least 30-fold, preferably 60-fold, 
but ultimately you can reproduce 100 fold the word of God that's sown in a fertile heart. My prayer is that both you and I represent a heart that's fertile so that we can get a teeming with life result that represents a 100 fold return in every single context of our lives. We thank you for joining us in viewing this program and look forward to meeting with you next week as we continue with this series.